It's not about whatever the petty subject is at that moment. It's a power struggle, okay? Does loving you mean losing me? Hey, you. You're listening to Not Yet, the podcast about our relationships and how they're the keys to our self-discovery. I'm your host, Paige Polk. I'm a community builder and Emmy award-winning digital media artist, channeling the powers of introspection. You're in the right place if you're mindful about the world you create and believe it's possible for us all to belong. I'm so grateful you're here. Now let's start the show. Welcome back to the Not Yet Podcast, the project where I daydream about the world of our dreams other spiritually minded creators. And I am joined today on the reboot back from our summer break with a wonderful guest named Dr. Peggy DeRosier. Hi, Dr. Pei. Hi, Paige. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I'm feeling refreshed. I had a friend come over and cook me breakfast. I am hydrated. I am ready to go. Okay, great. Yes. How about you? How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. This is a good morning. Amazing. To give you the black and white version of Dr. Pei, Dr. Pei DeRosier is a seasoned behavioral health therapist and licensed social worker clinician. Her work explores the intersections of mental health and pastoral psychotherapy, ushering practical empathy and insight into sustainable change and wholeness. Dr. Pei also has a private practice. What does it feel like to hear your bio? bio. <laughs> it's like, oh wow, she's in the, she's in this area. And I was like, oh, that's me. Okay. <laughs> it's true. You your your work is very, it's very focused and also you've explored it in really diverse ways throughout your career. Could you just tell me a little bit more about how you started to piece together your niche? Uh, sure. Um, I think that uh, I started off in, uh, in social work, working with children, working with families, working with, um, with individuals. And um, it has been a concurrent path with my own spiritual growth. And, um, and what I've done is that there are a lot of really deep spiritual principles and the principles are more or less, um, universal across the board. Um, you know, of course, different types of, of, of faith institutions. And, and I began to think about what if we use some of those positive, um, affirmations and help, you know, without pushing the religious part of it, but just the affirmation part and helping people to be able to, to, to work towards integration and to work towards wholeness. And, um, and I thought that there was a way that we could do that without pushing any one religion versus another, but that the, the thought would be around how do you center the individual? How do you hold them up? How do you um, help them to move to a place of unconditional positive regard for themselves and how do I help people to apply the empathy that they have for others for themselves and um and that's where the that's where the two lines of work sort of merged how do you help other people apply the empathy that they have for others 
toward themselves? um, The first thing that I do is help them to recognize how much empathy they have for others. And then um, ask them to apply that same standard because they say things to themselves in their heads that they would never say to other people, you know, like the critic that's in their own mind is so vicious and judgmental and stuff. And they never, they protect the whole world from that person except themselves. And, and, and for them to be able to say, if this was somebody else, what would you say to them? And what they would say to someone else is usually so gentle and so supportive so the, the reframe and the tweak is what if you use that voice for yourself? What if you use that perspective? What if you were able to siphon off a little bit of the empathy that you have for everyone else? Because I mean, film, movies, television, everything, you know, teaches us to, to, to have emo- vicarious emotional responses. You know, and we learn to do that and and project that outward. What we don't do is 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 it doesn't teach us how to how to turn that around, the lens around, and begin to apply some of that bomb and salve to 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 ourselves. Well, full disclosure to whoever is listening, you're actually you've been practicing as my therapist off and on for the past. I want to say five years wow okay wow that's a long time yeah that's a long time it feels lovely to have been in community with you for this long (laughs) right right yes uh so we we know each other very uh intimately and Mm -hmm. something that's always like drawn me to your practice is how it's very rooted in the principles of psychology while also having community and community empowerment be at the forefront of your work. I remember walking into our sessions and before and after me seeing uh, other folks who looked like me, frankly, just like queer Black folks trying to get therapy. And let's be honest, we really do need therapy. Uh, I mean, I think everyone needs uh, would benefit from um, from a therapy practice, but I think that like as queer Black people in this country, we experience a very particular subset of mm-hmm. experiences. Mm-hmm. And it always seemed to me that not only was your focus on helping people reimagine the world and life they could have for themselves, but also connecting people to like-minded folks who are doing the same, for which I am very grateful. Uh, you're very welcome. Very welcome. Um, I, think that, I think that that's part of that um, support, because I think a lot of us believe that we journey and we journey alone. And the thought that other people might be on a similar journey is very is very comforting to a lot of folks. And I think that you're right. I think that that therapy is a wonderful gift to self. It is the opportunity for you to hear your own inner voice. And I much, um, when I think about my work, I think about it not so much as me, you know, fixing people because I don't believe that that happens. It's more about me coaching people and being very much as a doula in terms of helping them to to bring forth who they are and to provide that consistent 
non-judgmental mirror that allows them to see themselves and all of the possibility of where they can go with that, you know? You know, and 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 I think that the breakthrough happens when the, when when they're when when I share the tools with them and they're able to see it for themselves, and that's much more powerful than what anybody else can tell you. Is with this stuff that you discover for yourself. What we can discover for ourselves is the most powerful narrative yeah. we can have. Yes. Yes. And also being able to see ourselves, right? So one of the things that the therapy does is that it's a reflective lens. So it allows you to look at yourself from a different perspective. And it also, I think, is sort of like works as an instrument, a tuning instrument, which helps you to be able to hear your inner, your inner sounds, you know, in a way that I think that the world crowds us and talks over us and is so loud that we don't get a chance to hear, you know, our own voice because the voice of our, our trauma, the voice of our family, the voice of other people who we're trying to please, the voice of others sort of, you know, sort of crowd our own voice. So it's a, so what therapy does is sort of give you a chance to dim the volume on everyone else and turn up the volume on self. Turn up the volume on self, turn down the volume on everybody else. I guess yes. that's the work. Yeah, that is the work. That is the work. We initially gathered today to speak about the idea of providence. And Merriam-Webster defines providence as God conceived as the power sustaining and guiding human destiny. Or in general, divine guidance or care over ourselves, over our beings, over our relationships. You mentioned that Providence was something that was inspiring your practice and new projects that you're, that you're building right now. Can you talk a little more about this? Um, yeah, I'm doing a lot of work around relationships. I just happen to have had a lot of different types of couples, um, young, old, gay, lesbian, straight couples, couples who are married, couples who are not married, couples who have children together. And as a therapist, yes, yes, as a therapist. Mm -hmm. So I've just been seeing lots of different types of couples, and the and I notice a theme in the areas in which they struggled in, right? Because sometimes relationships have a break. You know, sometimes it's unexpected. Sometimes you see it coming. Sometimes there's a breach. There's a breakdown, and then you have people coming, and at least initially. They want to be able to save their relationships. And even when they decide that they're going to stay together, they don't quite know what the path or the journey of what together looks like, right? Because it's not as if you can erase everything that has happened in the past. In fact, if you want to move towards the future, you have to be able to acknowledge the past, restore the relationship without stripping its history. Right. And and with some couples, they have some very painful histories to overcome and some bad habits to overcome and, and, and routines and dances and tangos that they are just, you know, so used to um, to performing that they don't even realize it. It becomes like a default. So how do you start and sort of restore, reset 
the relationship so that you can move forward because this person is not totally new. So therefore there are things that you already know about them. But I guess the perspective that I bring in is yes, there are things that you already know about them. And there are things that you still do not know about them. You cannot take this individual for granted and assume that you know everything that they're going to say, everything that they're going to do. So you don't have to listen. You don't have to, you don't have to look for what is new and what is refreshing. And, 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 and you can just rely on old information, right? So the old information doesn't get updated. It doesn't get refreshed. So here you are living in this day and age and using a processor from way back when that's out of funk or that doesn't have the ability or the bandwidth or the memory to deal with all of the new stuff that the relationship is going through and for the ways in which the individuals have changed and have evolved. So um, provenance gives us a context for restoring and also retaining um, retaining the history. You know, we don't scrub it and have it be brand new. Instead, we restore it and, and, and the lines and the age and the, you know, uh, the texture remains. Although you've smoothed out the pain and the hurt and the echoes of um, past mistakes, past failures, you are able to see the breaks and not, not deny them because, because even though there were breaks, those, those breaks and those twists and those turns still brought you to the place where you are now and being able to honor that has been our path and our journey. And we have learned and we have grown from it. So that's the kind of perspective that that I'm bringing to relationships because I've seen relationships where people love each other and they have either one has grown, they've grown different, they've grown apart and they want to retain what they had. And sometimes you can't retain what you have. Sometimes you really have to recreate something new. So for me, the, the idea of, of, of daily renewable contracts that we periodically recommit ourselves to to, to this journey, to this shared vision, because I figure that there are three stages of things. I think that attraction is probably the lowest common denominator. We will find very many people during our lifetimes that we are attracted to, but, but not very many, not as many that we are also compatible with, right? So compatibility is, you know, um, the ability to, to, to get along and to be able to move. But I think that the thing that determines whether a relationship will, will, will last or not is the third aspect, which is vision, which is a shared vision. You may be compatible, but you don't have a shared vision. So therefore, even if you're compatible, eventually you will go separate ways because you don't share that this is our destination or that we're committed to going wherever we do end up together. Right. So um, those are those are key components in navigating relationships that plus, I guess I sort of um, advocate for uh, a flexibility in terms of being able to begin. And if you have a breakdown to begin again. Right. So um, one of the things that happens is that couples come 
And their main complaint is that we argue and we fight over petty things or we fight over the same things over and over and over and over again. And what they don't realize is that it's not about whatever the petty subject is at that moment. It's a power struggle. And the power struggle is really primal, okay? Does loving you mean losing me? Can I still be in connection with you and not lose connection with self? And will you prioritize that connection so nothing else competes with it? Because there are levels of vulnerability. Vulnerability has levels. There are levels of vulnerability that some relationships never get to because neither partner is ever feels safe enough to get to those levels of vulnerability. And what I am saying is that, that that's a constant communication and that, 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 that means, because sometimes, you know, in relationships, people try so hard to be nice and to be accommodating and to preserve the relationship that they don't really ask for what they need. So if you start off a negotiation and you don't even ask for what you need, it doesn't matter whatever you get, it's not going to be what you need because you never put that on the table. I know that you're speaking in the context of romantic partnerships, but I can't help but draw the correlation between this power struggle and this need and desire for safety and beginning an attraction and hopefully ending a shared vision with our working relationships as well. Of course, of course. I think that, 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 that <laughs> I think that for a lot of people, they sort of silo their relationship as if they don't show up in every relationship similar to how they show up in their romantic relationships. Hey, it's Paige here, and I want to talk with you for a second before we get back to the podcast. You've lived an adventurous life, picking up skills and knowledge so special that at times you wonder where you fit. You want to show up in your relationships authentically and build a career as expansive as you are. What if I told you the answers are in your stillness? Join me for mindfulness coaching and you'll learn what your intuition feels like and how to use it to build the life that supports the very best version of you. The you who's inspired, empowered, and aligned. Visit notyetseries.com to book your mindfulness coaching call with me today. So friendships, work relationships, all of those are opportunities. If you are the kind of person that doesn't trust or finds it really difficult to trust, not only will you not be able to trust in your romantic relationships, you're not going to trust in your friendships. You're not going to trust in your business partnerships either. If you believe that people will let you down and flat out leave you, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in romantic relationships. But that also plays a role in your friendships because you never really believe that the people who have invested in you and whom you've invested in will actually stay because they really genuinely do like you, you know? And, 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 and with partnerships and with work relationships, either we believe that everyone is against us and we have to do this alone, no one will do it as well as we can, or, you know, either we have faith in people or we don't. Either we trust them or we don't, 
Okay. And I'm saying that if we feel one way, because relationships are relational, we tend to show up the same way in our various types of relationships and our various settings. How you do one thing is how you do everything. I think so. <laughs> it is hard for me to believe that somebody who is being kind to me but won't be kind to the waitress at the restaurant or the small child or somebody who they don't need is genuine. It's hard for me to believe that you love me if I don't see you loving you. It's hard for me to believe that you are being honest with me when I see you being dishonest in other relationships. It's hard for me to work with you and, 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 and take risks when I've seen you berate somebody else for making a mistake. I know that regardless what you sell me, I better not make a mistake, right? We know this, right? We know when the, the words are not consistent with the actions. And you were right. How you are in one um, setting is how you are in every setting. And people are looking for consistency. If you want to be good and kind, be good and kind to everybody. That's sexy. It's sexy and <laughs> it's sexy in relationships. It's sexy in friendships. It's the basis of friendships. You know, you find people who are totally different, and you're like, "How did these people ever become friends?" Because somewhere on their journey, one decided that I'm your ride or die. I'm going to show up for you, and 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 that changes the trajectory. My brain is doing uh, its own little bit of gymnastics because I do believe in the principles of being kind consistently mm -hmm. and being kind without a context. And I also hear what can be the challenge of trust. Mm -hmm. I heard you say earlier, you, you either trust people or you don't. Yeah. And it really is that simple. It really is that binary. And I've been in a journey myself of trusting outside of myself. Well, trusting outside of myself and also trusting inside of myself. Mm -hmm. And my argument for trust has been ease. It's just been mm. easier. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if you have any additional arguments for trust as a seasoned behavioral health therapist. Well, yeah, people think that trust has to be earned and that it's a slow process, but it doesn't have to be, you know? Trust for me is like grace. Sometimes we extend it before it has even been proven, right? And a lot of times trust is really a pay it forward kind of thing, right? Because even in people who get married, they have vows. I promise in the future to love you for better or for worse. Or da, da, da. We say all of those things, but, but worse hasn't happened yet, right? But we're expecting that this person in the time of great, good, wonderful to, 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 to be able to say that even if it weren't great and wonderful, I would still be here, right? Trust is 
is, is not something that people actually earn. It's credit. We credit them with trust before they even deserve the credit score that they have. Also, what does we it believe- mean to be deserving of trust? Right, because see, the thing is that we don't know front end who's going to be deserving or not. I think that it's the kind of thing where we look back and we're like, oh, this friend, this parent, this uncle, this aunt, this grandmother has always been there for me. And you're like, wow, that was a good bet. You know, but I don't think that we know it going forward. We hope, we're hopeful. You know, I'm a strong proponent of hope. And hope is the ability to, to, to envision positive outcomes in the future. And I think that trust, when somebody says that they don't trust you, I don't think that it's so much a, um, a litmus test about the person in front of them. It's that I do not trust the process of waiting to see whether or not the trust that I put in you was warranted. And some people are not willing to take that risk. That's why they don't trust anybody. They don't trust anybody because to trust people, I would have to be able to see and believe positive outcomes. And if I'm in a space where I can't see a positive outcome, why would I trust that a positive outcome will happen? What's the first step to believing that positive outcomes can happen in your life? I think it's saying it and claiming it is so important because then you begin to see positive outcomes in places where you didn't see anything at all. I am constantly looking for the good in people. So I find a lot of good and I find a lot of good people. If that is not what you're looking for, you will overlook some really wonderful people. You know, um, I have a friend of mine who says, you keep finding, you know, all of these really great people and stuff like that. And I keep thinking because we work together and some of the people or people that we worked together, we, we became friends from work. And there were people that we worked with that I have maintained friendships with and, and stuff. And she has not. And I was like, but you met the same people. They showed up the same way. It's not, I don't have a magic wand where I'm able to pick the good ones the, 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 the ones with integrity and stuff like that. My wand lets in a lot more people than, than, than you do. And then I cultivate them. And then I show up in a way that inspires them. And then I look for every small, unexpected good thing that they do. And what I find is that what it does is it raises the bar. When people see you finding good stuff in them, they, they're like, oh, and look at this. And I'm willing to do this. And, you know, and, 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 and it's really amazing, you know, because you bring out the best in people. And the way that you do that is because I truly expect the best. And I put out that message in my relationships and people that I've met and even strangers, you know, um, is it dangerous? Yes, it is. But, um, but the rewards have, 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 have outweighed the risk, at least for me. So it is always worth it for me to take a chance on people. So I meet a lot of good people. It also reminds me of how life is generative. 
-hmm. It starts with finding one unexpected, beautiful action from a stranger and acknowledging that beautiful action becomes a reference point for other beautiful actions for them, a reference point for you to recognize beautiful actions in other people. And that energy attracts and it multiplies. And you said before that it's dangerous. It's dangerous. And correct me if I'm wrong, I assume you were talking about it's dangerous to walk through life with trust first. Is that what you meant? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if the option is danger or loneliness, then I'm going to choose that risk that you take in not knowing. Because safety can cut, you know, or, or, or desiring safety can really cut you off from all kinds of possibilities. Let me share a short story with you. I was um, at the New York City LGBT Center once, and I was just looking to see what was on the board, what was happening and stuff. And this person comes up from behind me and gives me the biggest hug and, and kisses me on the cheek. And then goes, oh, they thought that I was somebody else. <laughs> and they thought that I was their friend and that they had met me and they were so happy to see me and, and, and stuff. And when I turned around, she was like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I'm not. That's a pretty warm welcome. What a wonderful <laughs> way to start a friendship. <laughs> we have been friends for hmm, 15 years now. We ended up going to the same grad school together. We ended up going to the same church together. Our friendship has has grown and blossomed and is wonderful. And 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 and, and I think that that what she wanted to do is apologize for intruding because there was a wall that she didn't know was there. Right? So she was like, this is my friend. I know who's there. I'm going to take that chance. And then when she saw that it was me, she wanted to withdraw. And I wouldn't let her. And I was like, how are you going to just say you're sorry and just step out after greeting me like that? I was like, you know, like, you you should at least ask my name. <laughs> you should at least get a chance to, 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 to get to know me. Maybe we can get to that point where, where what happened as a fluke could be what happens for real. And we began to get to know each other. And it has been a wonderful friendship. Um, I have a, a, a friend of mine, one of my closest friends now. We started off, she was, she was, she was my boss. And, and she thought that I had connections high up. And that's why I had been placed there. She's looking at me like, are you IG? Are you one of those people whose job it is to, to, to come in? And, you know, because it was so odd. And actually, the person who recommended me didn't had never even met me, just recommended me on the basis of someone else. So because it came from somebody so high up, they thought that I must have connections. I had no connections, didn't even know the person who recommended me. So I asked for vacation. She was like, yeah, sure, everything. I was like, wow, this is the nicest boss I've ever had. <laughs> and <laughs> and, um, and we were, I remember us, you know, talking. And one day um, she, she was talking about something that was happening. And it was just the two of us in the room. I looked at her and I said, you're such a bitch. She looked at me and she started laughing. She's like, you are so honest. <laughs> I'm like, yes. And she's like, yeah, that was. And, you know, and, 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 and that broke the barrier. 
you know, because for her, especially in workplace, we, we tend to hide who we are because, you know, we're locked into our titles, we're locked into our roles and stuff. And in that fluke of a moment, she said something and I was brutally honest and she loved the authenticity. And then she decided that, you know, like to get to know who I was and all of the fences that she had around, you know, who I was, who I could be, was I planted there to watch her and stuff like that. And then, you know, like we broke, we broke into something genuine. Those kinds of opportunities happen all of the time. You shared that articulating your own needs in any kind of relationship is a core pillar for building mm -hmm. trust. And it sounds like in this situation, a need that you had was voicing when things weren't right or when things were unkind or when things were volatile, like putting it out there into the world and calling it right. what it is. Yeah, I think that, that, that I wasn't attacking or anything like that. I just said it was plain as day. And, and, and she said it was so matter of fact and without judgment. She didn't feel judged. She didn't feel I was saying something about her. I was just saying, you know, like, you know, just being really matter of fact about the situation. And, um, and I think that what she recognized was honesty. And that was a core value that she had or that she required from her friendships. This is a bit off topic, but I think it could be really helpful for people. What is the key to, if, if there are multiple keys, <laughs> uh, to speaking honestly about a situation without the judgment? Um, I, think that the, I think that the key is truth. And when you speak truth, people hear it. I don't know what it is, you know, like this is really great to talk about how to spot a liar. I don't know what it is about people who are not genuine or who lie, but there's something about us, you know, and we must catch it on a really small level, but people know when they hear the truth. People know when it sounds right. People know, well, you know, he said all the right things, but it just didn't sit right with me. Or something smells funny about this. Or something is a little off. People know. And what I do is I lean in and trust that if I step in, that they will see who I am. And they will see that authenticity. It's not something that you can make up. It's not because some people say all the right words and we never feel comfortable with them. Some people, they hug you the first time and you're like, you fall into it. Other people, they brush against you briefly and it feels, you know, like, you know, you want to wash your hand or something like that because it doesn't feel right. Okay. So I guess I encourage people to, to, to sort of follow what feels right. That, 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 um, that real, that, that hunch that comes in the thing that allows you to say, oh, I feel comfortable with this person. And it's not one thing. It could be a, a thousand things that has happened within the last 15 seconds that make you feel comfortable with someone. And I'm saying, recognize, I trust my judgments about people. Um, and I know that there's some people who've made terrible judgments about people. 
but, but um, I think that you learn the things that are important, you know, and then you follow those. But I'm, I'm I, you know, I guess maybe I'm a more of a risk taker than other people. But I think that all of us have the potential to be risk takers. I don't think that there's a small number of really good, truly kind people out there. I think that there are a whole lot of people who want to be good, who want to be kind, who want to be connected. And that connection is the antidote to isolation. What is one practice that's helping you discover who you are right now? Um, I talk to myself. And uh, sometimes it is helpful for me to, to look at my behavior or my context, to step out of it for a little bit and just have a balcony experience with myself and say, okay, here I am watching me move in this circle and do this and do that. And I just stepped back a bit and I said, well, what if I was watching this? you know, at some theater and I'm looking in and I could see you moving around. What is it that you don't see? What is it that you don't know? And where is it that you could take a risk or stretch? You know, I think that for me, once I decided that, that I would rather love hard and, 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 and extend myself first in friendship and smile first, rather than wait and miss the opportunity. So don't wait, don't miss the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking with me about your work, about your brain, about trust, about vulnerability, about how our relationships have themes regardless of who we're in relationship with. It has been a joy. Ah, Thank you, thank you, thank you. You have been a joy. I mean, I think that that we've known each other for five years, and I'm so glad that our relationship has not been restricted only to a professional relationship, but that we have been able to to see and to experience each other in so many different contexts. And I believe that we find wonderful people all of the time. And I am so glad that our paths have crossed. Agreed. Agree. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Payne, can you uh, tell the not yet listeners what you're building right now and where they can find out more information about the work that you do and even get involved? Oh, well, I have to plug Free Therapy Tuesdays because on Tuesdays on my Zoom link and you can find it on, you know, you can just text me and um, at uh, DRPI, Dr. Payne, at dot NYC or um or Dr. Pei DeRosier at Gmail. I think that you'll have the information um on your screen when you do that. But um hop in on a Tuesday night at seven o'clock. It's a whole group of people. We've been meeting since since the pandemic and friendships have been uh have been born, connections have been made. They now have like different trips that they're taking together. They've made friends and, um, and the level of vulnerability and the level of honesty that people were demonstrating to strangers has been absolutely amazing. And, and, and we've moved from being strangers to looking for each other 
in real life outside of the Zoom box. <laughs> um, what else am I doing? I am working on a workshop on restoring broken relationships. Um, I am, I'm doing like five jobs at, at, at once. Uh, I've just taken a new role in helping, uh, in working on land justice and, and restorative health. And um, I just came from a conference with midwives who were decolonizing midwifery, but they were just amazing um, indigenous, black, multinational women who were just inspired about doing their work and to learn about people. I was just really humbled by the work that some people are doing in this world. Um, what else am I doing? I, I, I try to read books. Uh, uh, what else? Um, and entertainment and stuff like that. But most of all, I, 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 I like connecting live and meeting people. So I, I have a challenge because my partner, my sister, we live together and, and, and they're like, and I'm like, oh yeah, I invited this one and this one to come over. And, and, and she like, she's like, you're not just inviting all the, the hundreds of friends that you have. Now you're inviting total strangers. I was like, well, they're only total strangers the first time they come. <laughs> I believe that, that every subsequent time the, the, the journey becomes shorter and we establish roots and, um, and we have an opportunity to, to, to be a meeting place, a holding place. So. I will be sure to put the link to your website. That's drpayee.nyc. And folks, you can book your, you can either sign up for Therapy Tuesdays with Kate on our site, or you can book solo sessions or uh, group relational sessions with her as well. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Not Yet. The podcast is hosted by me, Paige Polk, and produced by Paige Polk International. The show art is made by Elizabeth Olguin, and the music is by Elder. Don't forget to subscribe here. And if you want more of this love in your life, visit notyetseries.com to join the Not Yet Project and community.